you know, you've got people working decades and decades trading their time as as wage slaves, essentially, and not realizing that all the while their savings is depreciating by double digits year over year. Um, and they're not able to compound or really save at all. And the money that they're using is not money. In fact, it's a biased debt instrument. I think we should try to push for more responsibility on, on the individual and, and also but encouragement, you know, you, you can do these things. It's not hard. You don't need a third party, you know, insane taxation and monetary debasement played a role in it. I had nothing to show for it. I lived in a gym. I had no income. I had no savings. And when I started saving in Bitcoin, all of that changed. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Decentralized Radio. Today, we got McShane on the line. How's it going, man? I'm glad we finally got this set up. It's great, man. And uh, great to meet you. And thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I think I've followed you on on, on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, for, for quite some time. And yeah, I always like kind of what you're putting out. You're, you seem like to have your hands in a lot of space uh, or in a lot of areas in the Bitcoin space, which is awesome. So to me, I always get most excited about the folks who are actually driving Bitcoin adoption and now Noster adoption and Noster protocol. And we'll get into what exactly that is forward because, right, it's like we need people with boots on the ground putting in the proof of work or else we're not going to make any progress in this in this area. So it's, it's always exciting to connect and hear kind of, you know, the thoughts and perspectives you have of things that are going well, things that... Um, you know, we still have a long way to go on, which is the low time preference mindset in general. And yeah, kind of what is the exciting forefront of Bitcoin adoption and, and Bitcoin, you know, innovation. So before we get into that, uh, obviously, the cliche story is, you know, how did you get into Bitcoin? Um, you know, how did this conviction really wrap you into pursuing, you know, this full time? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to have a couple touch points with Bitcoin pretty early on. Like when I was still in grade school, I had a super computer uh, focused best friend who was trying to explain Bitcoin mining to me. And I remember him showing me janky um, desktop wallets. And uh, I didn't get into it then, but I, I have a very clear memory of this day, him trying to explain this to me and me not understanding what's going on at all. Um Later on, I actually used Bitcoin a little bit on the Silk Road with some friends of mine. Again, didn't think much of it, right? I was just like, this is just this annoying thing I have to do through PayPal to get what we want from the Silk Road. Never held any from that time or anything like that. But, you know, I think these touch points are, are kind of important because they open you up to other possibilities, you know, and you're not as um, defensive about your ideas about money once you've kind of dipped in the big toe. So later, um, actually, my little brother was making money, you know, trading, and I was training, fighting MMA, and um, living in a high altitude training facility full time. And I, I, I didn't have time to work 
I mean, I couldn't, I tried to do kind of side gigs at a grocery store. And ultimately it was like, man, this is too taxing training all the time. And there's, there's like no money in fighting except for the very, very, you know, top. And I decided, uh, you know, maybe working online would be something that could bring me more money and require less um, kind of wage slavery and time for me. And I started getting interested in trading. My brother was doing really well with Bitcoin. So we had a bit of a contest. And, um, you know, a number of years back, we happened to catch a bull market. And it really stuck with me. I mean, I did the the proverbial horseshoe with shit coins for like a couple months. And then I really turned to Bitcoin almost immediately because I tried to self custody all that stuff. And then I realized all these protocols outside of Bitcoin are really messed up and you can get disenfranchised, you know, and lose your savings. So I got rid of those very quickly. I was fortunate to be surrounded by some really good kind of voices in the community um, that were Bitcoin only. So from then on, it was just all about Bitcoin, you know, started working in Bitcoin and just never stopped. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating too. And and that's like, maybe want to get into kind of the lifestyle behind like fighting and MMA and proof of work there, because that's really interesting. But I'm curious first, there's uh was there like an inflection point moment where you realize you're like, oh, shit, like, these are all like very, you know, speculative assets, all, all the shit coins I'm talking about that could potentially mm-hmm. blow up in my face. Like, was there something that happened that made you really concerned? Or did you kind of realize in general that they just were not actually decentralized and you were at high risk for holding them? Yeah, I I tried to uh, custody ETH at one point and it cost me like more in gas fees than the ETH I had. It was just so fucking backwards. And I was like, what is this? I mean, the Bitcoin I found to be more intuitive, simpler, less shady, more straightforward um, information online about it. And there wasn't this um, perverse incentive of like a centralized group of people or a company that could pull the rug on you. And it's not like I came to that conclusion completely on my own. It was mostly the endless kind of reputation of what people now think of as Bitcoin's immune system, which was kind of this budding class of Bitcoin maximalists. I mean, it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always, it wasn't always a great divide between crypto people and Bitcoin maximalists. It used to be, you know, cryptocurrency blockchain. (laughs) Um, You know, the block size wars uh, went a long way to, to change that. And I just, just happened to hear the right, voices at the right time, the right people, you know, and um, their arguments were more compelling. And I found the crypto people really hard to talk to, like in person and over, you know, even virtually their their arguments didn't make sense. There's a lot of techno babble, a lot of complexity theater. And um, frankly, it kind of kind of kind of mimicked my like how baffled I am about how the, the fiat system works. So I was I was uh, repelled by it pretty pretty early, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I kind of came to that same conclusion too. And it's weird because you realize, and I mean, just you are an example right now. It's like we're just chatting, you know, haven't talked online, but like our mindset, you know, things that we like to do in our spare time uh, are aligned, you know. And I think that's like that proof of work mindset that becomes contagious 
don't get me wrong. There's plenty of Bitcoiners out there that I'm like not really on board with, or <laughs> but yeah, it, it's way less. Like in the crypto shitcoin space, it's like all these like you know degenerate traders or just you know very very dogmatic into whatever coin and you know obviously a lot of people scamming out there, but. I meet so many Bitcoiners that just, you know, foundationally, yeah, they're into, you know, the outdoors or, you know, working out or fighting or, you know, into that regenerative agriculture, you know, they're really more into taking control of their life, which is fantastic. And that's what we've been trying to preach here on Decentralized Radio is that, you know, if you're trying to take control of your your money and your finances through Bitcoin, you need to also apply that to the rest of your life. And that's really what it comes down to. And then you look at this at a high level in 10, 20 years, the big, the Bitcoiners, we're going to, you know, be in the top 1% of, of everything. You know, we're going to be the most healthy, the most active, the most resilient and the most financially sovereign. So it's to me just inevitable. And yeah, that's what we try and preach here. So I'm curious uh, with kind of a, you know, a jujitsu, MMA background is that something you've you've thought about like I was naturally gravitated towards this proof of work towards Bitcoin because I already had this disciplined mindset in the past um no definitely not always um I think I found I think I lived a really fiat lifestyle for a long time and by that I mean honestly, not really putting in the proof of work, like I would put proof of work into things that I was super interested, right? Interested in, uh, for example, like, um, like guitar, like I played guitar for, I mean, now it's two decades. Um, when I was a kid, I would just practice for hours and hours in my room, like didn't care about anything else, didn't care about school. And I saw the fruits of that pretty early on, like a lot of people, um, learning how to learn at a young age, you know, I was super into like drawing and art too. I mean, it made me a kind of wayward kid, but learning how to put in the hours and the time into something that's interesting to you and just kind of honoring that and holding space for yourself to be able to pursue your interests, regardless of what other people think, even if it makes you something of a, you know, pariah, it might not be the coolest thing to do, but um, I think that was really important um, for me to be able to say, you know, I don't care if I don't make any money at all. I want to work in Bitcoin and I want to kind of see this through and see where it takes me and to be able to, um, I don't know, maybe turn down more secure paths. Like it may, it, it made me, I've always been kind of um, like a really high risk tolerance um, if the trade-off is that the thing fulfills me on some deeper level. And that's very much the case with uh, Bitcoin and at Noster and, you know, free and open source technology. Um, it kind of Bitcoiners are, a lot of us are kind of idealists in some way that might not be the right word, but we have a kind of a vision of what we'd like the world to be like and what a future oriented goal for what we want our own lives to be like. And we realize that we need to take incremental steps every day to get there. So I think you s tend to see a lot of like high output humans and kind of really interesting people gravitating toward the space because of that uh, goal oriented mindset. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting 
what you just said because it is really true. And obviously, everyone who's working in Bitcoin or like passionate about Bitcoin has to take some sort of leap of faith. And obviously, working in it a much larger one because there is, you know, it is high risk. It is, you know, speculative. It's it's early. It's a nascent technology. But again, getting this off the ground, like I'm saying, is going to require, yeah, a lot of people working on solutions and working on innovations. So that's empowering. I would say there's so many people in the centralized world that are just working their job just because it's secure, just because, you know, they think that's the only option they have. When in reality... Yep. You're exemplifying, you know, find something you're passionate about and just, you know, dive in at, at all costs and eventually it'll work out. And yeah, that's something kind of inspiring to me as well. I'm kind of in a you know transition point from a career perspective. And yeah, that's also why I love doing this podcast because it's giving people hope that maybe in this similar situation. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're passionate about something and, and you want to get fulfillment, you know, the money doesn't matter from the pay perspective as much. And then again, if you have Bitcoin, right, and you believe in Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about money as much long term, which I guess if you do know about Bitcoin at the same time, you're like, I need to accumulate as much now as I possibly can. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a I struggle. Say, I think it's an, an empowering <laughs> message. <laughs> I might have to push back on that. I think I worry about money more than anybody <laughs> after, yeah, after Bitcoin. It's weird you know? <laughs> because I'm, I try, I'm doing this like self-talk to myself while I'm speaking out loud right now because I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, well, like in 10 years, it won't matter because I know Bitcoin's going to continue to appreciate. But then at the same time, I'm like, I need to accumulate as much now as possible to set up, you know, my future family and generations for, you know, a, a great life. So it is the struggle of being kind of where we are right now as, as, as young men, I guess it's uh Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah. It's and there's funny. just like, there's a high, there's a higher burden because we're all taking the convenience. We're rejecting the convenience trade-off. So we're taking responsibility for our wealth and finances into our own hands, which is risky. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of risk involved. There's a lot um, of learning involved, you know, to do it properly and safely. Um, you know, alleviating trusted third parties is no, is no simple task. Um, and I always encourage people to get into it slowly and carefully with small amounts of money to avoid um, kind of wrecking themselves. Um, yeah, and make sure you're just evaluating the risks at every step of the way. Yeah, I yeah, totally. It's, it's uh, kind of a piecemeal thing because it is a lot of responsibility and and it's easy if you know you're an adult or you know like a parent's age you know you actually have some money and then you want to get into bitcoin and all this and it's like yeah okay but like play around with it first and and make sure you're comfortable doing what what you're doing but i think that's why yeah there there probably needs to be more from a tools financial tools perspective in in bitcoin and i talked to mm -hmm. matt from atomic finance and and that was an interesting conversation it, it's 
I'm, I'm curious to see how this all kind of pans out in terms of user experience and things that, that make it a little bit easier. And obviously there's, you know, folks like Unchained that are custodying and Swan and, and people are doing a lot more. So you think the services like in this area of, of the, the Bitcoin space is, is only going to continue to improve and, and that we need improvement or are you more of the hardcore like everyone should be, you know, responsible for for every aspect of, and we should we should not have any financial tools and services really, or as many as uh, you know the current fiat system. I I don't know if it's it's quite an either or, but I'm definitely in the camp that everyone should be self custodying if they're interested yeah. in using Bitcoin. I don't think there's much of an excuse not to. I don't believe that the <laughs> the hurdle, like the barrier to entry is very high. It's like a couple hours of your time to kind of read and understand continuously for, you know, maybe a couple hours a month for the rest of your life to think about these things. And um, they're hugely beneficial. And I think the problem is that we're living fundamentally in this trust-based society and we're expecting the government and corporations to sort of put rounded edges on the whole world for us. I mean, we just live in this completely very, very weak, babied uh, society. And I think we all know what comes from that. Um, you end up getting the rug pulled out from other, under you. You know, you've got people working decades and decades, trading their time as, as wage slaves, essentially, and not realizing that all the while their savings is depreciating by double digits year over year. Um, and they're not able to compound or really save it all. And the money that they're using is not money. In fact, it's a biased debt instrument. Um, and there's, there's other, there's other solutions out there. I mean, Bitcoin is the closest thing we have to money in society today. So I, I guess to answer your question, there are like a huge number of challenges that the technology and its community face. And I don't always agree with the direction um, some of these startups choose to go like how many more DCA apps do we need? You know, how many more, I don't, I don't think people should custody their Bitcoin, um, with, with something like an unchained or, or allow them to peer into their, um, finances. I think these things should remain private, but ultimately it comes down to the individual. Like what does the individual choose? And I think we should try to push for more, like we talked about earlier, um, more responsibility on on the individual and and also but encouragement you know you you can do these things it's not hard you don't need a third party to look after your wealth and you'll find over time i guess to give you an example i worked in fiat for a decade and at the end of that decade i mean maybe it's a fault of my own but surely you know insane taxation and monetary debasement played a role in it i had nothing to show for it you know, I lived in a gym, I had no income, I had no savings. Um, and when I started saving in Bitcoin, all of that changed. Uh, and people couldn't take my money without my permission and inflate it away. And, um, you know, frankly, spend it at all without me signing off on that transaction. And so just that little bit of personal responsibility, day after day for years is going to compound and create this new class of what you were talking about, sovereign individuals that are ultimately, I think, going to be 
stateless and and free. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's kind of complex because people want to drive adoption forward and and some of these tools are like attractive to enticing people to get in to the Bitcoin space and and you could argue, you know, obviously like BlackRock ETF and things like that as well. Is that a net positive for Bitcoin? And yeah, it's it's tough because obviously we have such a conviction at the sovereignty level, but you know, there's a large percentage and, and we still need a lot more people on board to continue to drive this thing forward. And, you know, another aspect of that, yeah, is the the scalability and, and growing of the circular economy. So I kind of want to get into that because that seems like kind of the next, you know, stage in your journey and, and working in, you know, Lightning Ventures. And we talked about Lightning a bit with, with Michael Atwood from Oshi on a, a recent episode, kind of 101. But I'm curious where you see, you know, Lightning right now and, is this is this it like is is the lightning network really gonna you know bridge the gap between using bitcoin as kind of an investment a safe haven a appreciating asset to actual money or do you think we're gonna need you know layer threes and much more innovation on on this front i guess in general as a broad question and you know it's tough to have a a, a direct answer for this of course no, I, I think about this a lot. I mean, just about every day. And I think that I don't think at the current state, we need to fundamentally change Bitcoin layer one in order to compete with Visa and MasterCard. But I also don't think, though I'm very hopeful and thankful, and I love using Lightning and all its various iterations, I don't think it's ready. I mean, I don't think we can onboard 8 billion people. It won't work. Uh, There's there's too many issues. There's too much disagreement about how the protocol should be implemented. There are competing implementations. And I think what we need is to kind of provide um, competitive alternatives to the market and flesh out what is the best path forward here. I think it's incredibly interesting technology, but I think if you asked any of the original Lightning developers, you know, what do you think about where we are today? They'd be like, why did we build this complicated fucking <laughs> thing? You know, it's a nightmare to them. Um, I, I don't know. I'm hopeful. We're starting to see, we're starting to see some interesting um, propositions, you know, um, whether it's ARC or, maybe Tara a little bit, although we haven't actually seen anything kind of occur there. But I think it'll take a little more time than people hoped for. But I also don't need Bitcoin to become the instantaneous payments network of the world for it to work for me. So as a store of value and medium of exchange, um, it's, it's, it's working pretty well for me, you know, obviously I'd love to see increased adoption, but you can see also the community at its core is torn about whether it wants increased adoption or not. I mean, ordinals are within Nakamoto consensus. I'm not super pro ordinal or anything, but they are a version of increased adoption. And now you have all the Bitcoiners up in arms saying, Oh no, no, that's not what we meant. We want you to use Bitcoin in only the way, uh, the ways we deem fit. And that to me is a little odd. I mean, I thought we were we were here for um, you know personal personal freedom, and I'm certainly not going to tell anyone how they should spend their Bitcoin. Um, 
you know, block space is scarce and, uh, you know, the most uh, competitive fees win. This has already been a problem. It's just been maybe maybe brought forward by a couple of years or something because of this uh, this kind of innovation. And and it's only got, it's open to can of worms. We're only going to see more of it. So um, hopefully it incentivizes lightning engineers and people with really wild outside of the normal realm of thinking to to engineer new solutions that can compete. Yeah, I I think it's a good thought exercise to yeah, kind of think of everything you just said, right? Like do do we want like this adoption to skyrocket and do we, you know, want to be using this every day? Like that's something I actually really haven't even considered um the you know the trade-offs to that but certainly i think incentivizing competition is important and having multiple options and you know the best may the best protocol win is what's needed and it's like yeah maybe lightning network dies so that other layer two networks can can run and thrive and and that's usually how i think a lot of technology goes right you know if you just think about any of the the early you know aol or, or things that kind of drove innovation but then you know it wasn't it wasn't the final winner and that's okay and it's different for bitcoin as you know people say that about bitcoin itself but it's totally different because bitcoin is fundamentally different from every other cryptocurrency and we know that we don't have to explain that but i think applying that logic back to some of these on or layer two networks and and kind of more of the the solutions that that we might need to to drive it forward. So you said something that's that is interesting, and that is you know do we want to have this mainstream adoption? And what was I listening? I was listening to like Willie Wu, I think he was talking about how we need Bitcoin to grow if we want like larger nation states or whoever aside from el salvador like if the end goal is you know the bitcoin standard global reserve currency or just you know the majority of the population using bitcoin or, or having bitcoin backed uh, money then we need it to grow from like a market capitalization perspective so yeah mm -hmm. i'm curious where you lie on that just kind of rebutting because it is this weird phenomena that you know we appreciate this decentralized form of money and yeah what does it look like you know in terms of adoption and you know lightning obviously you're, you're saying it's not ready to onboard you know eight billion people but that would never happen in a very short period of time unless some catastrophe in unfolded in in the fiat world i guess and even then it's a, even more unlikely that everyone would just start using lightning but you never know because, you know, technology always seems to kind of just innovate fast enough or right on par with how many people adopt it. And I think we're kind of on that same trend for Bitcoin across the board. Yeah, I, I just wonder if, um, you know, global adoption as we as we want it. I mean, is this really what we wanted Bitcoin to look like with the vast majority of it being held at institutions and people custodying with institutions? That's not my vision for the future at all. Um, I, I think we have a lot of education to do and kind of innovating to provide easier on ramps and off ramps that aren't completely captured by 
you know, regulated entities. Um, big promote, big proponent of uh, non-KYC Bitcoin, or as I like to call it, ethical Bitcoin. Um, you know, I think mining needs to be more decentralized and uh, accessible to people uh, at home in their day-to-day lives. And we need to see some of these, some of these, this mining infrastructure implemented at home, you know, water heaters, space heaters, um, people using renewable to mine and uh, kind of taking themselves off this huge centralized grid that's so vulnerable to uh, attack and that's completely captured by the state. I don't, I don't know if that answered yeah, your question. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah I'm, 100%. I'm, I think it's important because, well, it's, you know, we live in this kind of weird state right now where we know this increased surveillance uh, capitalism is, is underway. And, and then, but, but, and at the same time, yeah, it's, it's fearful and it's also the right thing to do in terms of sovereign principles to, yeah, self custody, you know, have this freedom to be non KYC or B. But right now, the, yeah, the on and off ramps are, are a challenge and the mining, yeah, for me, it, I feel like there is not much incentive for people to mine at home anymore. I mean, maybe if you get an S9 and, yeah, heat your home in the winter, I know people that do that, but. Yeah, it's kind of a big, it's a large barrier to entry right now. And, and you're better off probably from a investment perspective, just buying Bitcoin. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I think it's tough. And, and we talked to, um, you know, Colin from Distributed Hash and what they do is, is pretty cool. And it's kind of like, yeah, hosted mining, but, you know, you're responsible for the hardware. And yeah, there's no like compass fuckery going on. So that's cool to me. I think there needs to be more innovative solutions like that that are like prioritizing non KYC um, for people yeah, that don't have a hundred k to just get started mining or something. Yeah, that's the KYC is another important point, and it's coming. There's a solutions coming to allow people to join pools that aren't hugely centralized and not have to meet kind of ridiculous payout thresholds and also to receive their Bitcoin via lightning directly from the Coinbase. I mean, these are all things that we never should have steered away from. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. I don't mean to be a kind of a downer or a doomer. I just think we should take these concerns seriously because like the majority of what you see in the Bitcoin space online is just kind of mindless cheerleading. And uh, these are complicated issues with trade-offs. And we need to consider very carefully before we go too far down one path. Um, you get the same kind of problem when you, you've got people advocating, like really, really um, influential people advocating for Bitcoin's ossification without, I mean, it kind of seems like without understanding the history of what that means uh, for technologies. Like you can point to email as an example go ahead and try to form your own implementation of email and see if any of your stuff gets it through to, you know, the, the, the average Gmail holder. I mean, it's a totally captured protocol that, that ossified, um, unfortunately, and is completely surveilled and in the hands of, you know, very few, you know, the same thing with mobile phones. Like we need alternative solutions and networks and hardware um 
to get off these things because they're completely captured and surveilled. And, you know, anyone using a phone today or a computer should assume that that device is compromised. <laughs> you can't, it's, it's really unsafe to have any assumption other than that today. So we've got to see some competition in the market there. And I think Bitcoin can help offer, you know, some kind of out of the box, uh, sorry, out, outside of the box ideas um, and, and solutions there. At least inspiring yeah, no. from a distributed standpoint. Yeah, we we talked to Matt Hill um, from Star Nine, and to after you know that conversation, I was like, wow, this is like the most important thing because, yeah, it's again, it's yeah, oh, the money is is decentralized, and even if you're not in KYC, it's like, well, w- literally everything else you're using on a daily basis is is captured, kind of like you're saying. Yeah, your car, everything, kill switch, <laughs> GPS, everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's, it's tough, a big man. concern, I think, but it's hard, right? It's hard because you can easily become like pretty consumed by this fear and and get neurotic about, oh my god, like what's gonna happen? So, you know, we're not there yet. So I, I think the best thing is to support, you know, people like Start Nine and and these other solutions. I, know, I think there's a phone out there that's that's pretty much like just for calling and and text and like that's it. But even then, yeah, I mean, you're you're tapping into to a cellular network that is totally accessible by anyone. And you know, Signal and we talked a little bit about Signal and, mm. and Telegram with Matt, and he's like, yeah, I mean. If the NSA wants to like get your messages, they they can. So we've got uh, something Tucker of a Carlson, solution. Yeah, yeah. We've got something of a solution there uh, called Simplex. Um, okay. I encourage people to check check it out and give it a try. But it doesn't require anything from you in terms of personal information, no phone number, no nothing. Um, better than better than Signal needs work on the UI, but you know they're getting it done. You know you have private end to end encrypted messaging and group chats so, so how is it Simplex different from signal doesn't require a phone number and isn't okay. going to be you know isn't as far as i'm i'm not a dev but as far as i understand it's just not compromised it's true open source um technology that is well reviewed and works and you know you've got kind of these random public private um key pairs and sort of tokens that are used for all your your instances of of simplex that allow you to have temporary uh pseudonymous um conversations with people or long standing ones but i think your your identity sort of rotates to increase the um the plausible deniability of like the identity of the person um I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a perfect solution. I'm just saying it's a nice competitor to something like a signal, which we know has had various problems uh, over the years, and surely uh, Telegram, which is not uh, yeah, safe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good to know. I'll have to check that out. I'm surprised I haven't heard of it before because it's usually, you know, I have enough friends in this space that they're like, oh, you know, we need only message on signal now. And I'm like, okay, like, to be honest, I'm always that guy. I'm like, sure, like, I'm happy to use it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I personally don't think it's gonna make a difference. And uh, I think, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's I think this it's, weird trade off. It's it is it's big, and it's growing on Noster. Um, 
And the problem is the reason you may not have heard of it is because, you know, Bitcoiners haven't really brought their ideals to the communications <laughs> realm. They're not using Noster. It's a problem. We've yep. only got like, yeah, you know, maybe 500,000 um, accounts and far fewer than that using them on a, on a daily basis. But it's like, if you, if you like Bitcoin, you're going to love Noster because the NSA, the FBI, they can't come shut down your account. Um, I can't remember. I think it's Retan or something. This account on Twitter and a couple other of my friends had their accounts um, totally nuked, banned for life from Twitter for just posting uh, bring back the guillotine. Just that that phrase. <laughs> that can't oh, happen boy. to you on Noster. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just like if you want freedom of speech, you should be using Bitcoin and, and Noster at this point. That's all we've got. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's get into it. I thought it was is it Noster or Noster? You say Noster, so is there I say Noster. Some people say Noster. Okay. I I don't think there's a <laughs> we're not we haven't come to consensus on this yet. Maybe when more people use it, we'll we'll figure something out. But <laughs> sweet. Well, maybe I'll switch to Noster for for this perspective. But yeah, <laughs> it's something I've I've spent a, a bit more time on. You know, the past few you know weeks and and months, I joined like. In January, I think Ben Justman got me on there, and then I like couldn't nice. upload pictures, and was just yeah, it was it was a struggle. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. come back a little more vehemently in in a few months, and and see how this is approved on on Damus, and it has tremendously, I think. But at a high yeah. level, yeah, like you're saying, I don't think a lot of people use it, like really. Uh, obviously, it's still so early, but I think it's doing pretty well. But recently, obviously, learned more about Noster just as a protocol and the applications that it can be used for way outside of alt Twitter. Um, and yeah, why don't why don't you give like an overview? Like, what is uh, the Noster protocol, and why is it so important? Um, I think for starters, Noster stands for notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. So what you have at the core is. Um, decentralized communications protocol, hub and spoke, um, a bit like how Bitcoin works. So you as a user don't have to forfeit any of your identity or make like a information or data trade-off to use it. You can partake simply by virtue of um, generating um, a pseudonymous private public key pair. So if you know how Bitcoin or you know many um, kind of communications networks work, you keep that private key private and your public key is kind of your de facto identity. There's other sort of identity layers tied in on top of that, you know, social reputation, maybe account name. Uh, there's protocols playing around with sort of monikers that can tie actions back to you or creations back to you and stuff like that. Um, that sounds maybe more overcomplicated than what it is. It basically allows you to transfer information without a centralized server. So if we remember the, the promise of sort of blue sky was something like this, and they basically just rebuilt Twitter. And it turns out in the end that all the uh, account creation is centralized in a single server. So in the end, it's totally captured sort of um, total wrong direction and kind of, um, you know, faking what it is, whereas Noster is, uh, you know, tried and true, it works. There's now probably more <laughs> implementations and apps because it's so useful for this thing than there are actual users, which, I mean, you can kind of like tongue in cheek say that might be a little, little bit of a problem. People get very lost. Um, 
you know, they might enter it from um, one implementation that's not quite up to snuff with another, you know, some have these uh, um, NIPs uh, integrated into their platform, others do not. But the beauty of it is if you really want to, you can make your own version of it. So you could think of it as like, you could make your own version of X or Instagram and many, many people have, they just develop their own application that allows them to interface with it. Maybe you need a low data mode, uh, read only version just to kind of get the news for the day. You can whip that up pretty easily. And, uh, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, the key here is open source and free technologies. You got, you know, hundreds, uh, thousands and eventually tens of thousands of developer eyeballs on this uh, sort of code repository, just like Bitcoin, um, that keeps malicious things from happening. Now, we haven't got a great um, mechanism for what's implemented and what's not, and there are definitely problems. And like you said, the user experience sometimes leaves much to be desired, but you have to understand the trade-off that you're making. You have true self-sovereign communication if you choose it pseudonymity um privacy uh in many forms and i've seen over time since i joined almost a year ago it's it's only gotten better and the speed of development has been tremendous and i don't really i don't really want for much on nostra at this point to be honest with you every morning i go live at 10 a.m eastern uh, with a couple of my friends to talk about Bitcoin and Noster and the news and just kind of hang out. And we're going live on the protocol. We're streaming live to to people all over the world. And they tune in and they send us sats via lightning and what's called the zap, which is a far more, um, a far stronger signal of economic value than something like a like is on a traditional social media platform. So that's people just straight up sending us tiny fractions of a Bitcoin every time they tune in every day. And you're just, it's a great way to accrue Bitcoin. So you have a better incentive model for content creators uh, as well. You're not dealing with some cathedral um, that's taxing you and choosing what you get paid for your content and ultimately owns all your content at the end of the day, like uh, Twitter or Instagram. No, you're dealing with a bazaar where you show up. There's no price to entry. No one knows who you are. There's thousands of people just like you and you just compete, send your content. And if people like what you're selling, they'll, they'll pay you for it. So there's tremendous like marketplace potential for this protocol as well. I'm excited to see what comes in the next, uh, the next year here. Yeah, I think for me the realization of of Noster was was kind of that it's not like it's not centered around Bitcoin. Like it's a decentralized protocol that's attracting developers and attracting folks that are not they don't even have to be Bitcoiners. And I was listening to Ben Ark talk, he's like a lot of the early developers were, you know, not even Bitcoiners. And actually that the Zaps is kind of like a not a consensus thing either. Um, but you know, it has that principle is has like the private public key and is obviously, yeah, decentralized so that even, yeah, you can access it through Damus or you can have, you know, a live stream or you could have anything and you have that, that access to the protocol and, and, and different relays. But I'm curious, yeah. Do you think that, are you like very bullish on, on the zaps aspect of it? Because I know some people yeah. are not. And to me, I haven't. I think it is from the like 
you know, the content creation and you see everything is moving to like subscriptions or behind a paywall. And that's actually a large reason behind that is, is because of free speech and, you know, just monetizing your following on social media when mm -hmm. you could have kind of a more open public version of that in, in zaps. And yeah, it's something that I think is interesting and excited about, but I haven't, I was surprised that a lot of people actually aren't supportive of it. Not I'm not saying it's the majority, but there are Me too. a good chunk of people who aren't. So, <laughs> Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10, for 10% off your first order. Me too, me too. And I, yeah, I think it is. I think a lot of people are kind of supportive and name only, you know, they're like, yeah, we want Nostra to win. Meanwhile, they don't use it. <laughs> they don't use the platform. Yeah, yeah. They don't contribute to it. They don't give their feedback. They've never tried it. That's a huge problem. As a Bitcoiner at this point, there's really no excuse for not having tried it. It takes two seconds to whip up an account and start playing around. You can access it through Damus, Primal, Iris. I mean, there's just there's endless implementations of this thing. You know, my favorite, the one I talk about most often now is Zap.Stream, just because it's so fun. Yeah. You can watch content creators all over the world going live, chat with them, um, send them some zaps. It, it's a beautiful thing. I don't think Bitcoin is the be all and end all of Nostr. It's not Nostr at the end of the day, fundamentally. But it really shows you what kind of world we are building towards when you have these two free and open source protocols interacting with one another um, kind of harmoniously in a way that aligns incentives far better than um, they are on, on, on Twitter, um, I would say, or, or, or Instagram in terms of uh, content creators. And I think it's important to consider too, like what kind of future do you want to live in as a like quote unquote creator? And maybe I realize many people may feel they're, they're not creators or whatever, but the fact is a lot of kind of grunt work, like historically as um, industry and technology have advanced is automated away. And uh, you know, humans, I don't think are going to be doing that kind of work on a large scale forever, and you're moving more into the realm of thought, you're moving more into the realm of frictionless communication and really fun, creative work and opportunities to make a living for yourself um, that are that are more rewarding, like inherently maybe maybe more risky, but they require less of you, of your physical being, you know, you can really start to explore more you know, your ideas and other other sides of you. So I, I guess like the analogy there is there's a lot of people that could be making, I mean, I always say Bitcoiners are not reaching their full stacking potential if they're not working online. You're incredibly reducing the amount of time you have to make money if you have to show up nine to five at, at a place in flesh for a set uh, wage. So I would encourage everyone to, you know, experiment with Nostr because, you know, people are going to send you money just for your personality, just because they like you. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, no, it it is really cool. And it's kind of, you know, it's more empowering whenever I get a zap. I'm just like, oh, wow. And even it could be like 20 sats, which is, you know, fractions of a penny, right? But it's, yeah. it's more empowering. And, you know, over time, right? Yeah, what is that it worth? Compounds. What does that become? So, yeah, it compounds. If we reach dollar sat, yeah, if we reach dollar sat parity, a map. You're gonna have made generational wealth from a few months of shit posting on Nestor. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the way I see. It, is like there's no downside to kind of getting on there now, early, and yeah, kind of being an innovator. And yeah, you know, it helps when when you kind of have uh, an early start on anything, right? So why why not? Like, here's yeah. an opportunity. Where you, do you think you're late to Bitcoin? Do you think you're late to like YouTube, Twitter, Instagram? Here's your opportunity. Like. Here's your opportunity to attract an audience that shares a similar mindset and be yourself and and create content that's intriguing. So I, I'm going to try also... and get a. I was just going to say I'm going to try and experiment more with with uh, live stream zap out live stream and all that because yeah, yeah it, it it aligns very well with what we're doing. So I think it's awesome. Definitely, man. And you'll find the you'll find the community will be very supportive of you. And the, the benefit of being early is you have real voice and like stake in this protocol. You can you can alter the direction of this thing. Like anyone can. I mean, just by you know, showing up, putting in the work, maybe you have some ideas, maybe you get together with some developers and try to implement something and make something happen. I mean you're 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 the earliest of the early joining Nostra at this point and 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 the key is really just the freedom of speech i can't highlight that aspect enough but when you see saudi arabia killing teenagers or throwing them in jail for the rest of their life for posting on twitter or being um you know dissidents of the state or that that doesn't have to happen uh so they you have an ability to express yourself anonymously on Noster that that can't be taken from you. Um, so, you know, hugely beneficial um, sort of political and social repercussions of this technology as well. I think it's really going to, I think it's going to become mimetic and it's going to be adopted in most facets of the internet in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years as people realize the potential of this thing and we scale. Do you think that people should be more careful about like, or that they should be anonymous or using a pseudonym when they're on there or in general, I guess that's up to the user discretion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. That's totally user choice. Um, I've always found it very nice to separate your kind of public and private um, like identity and, and, and face, but it's just about having that ability um, and having it decentralized and at the protocol level so that you're not ultimately captured and you're not going to get rug pulled, you know, um, and no one's going to, you're not going to show up one day and they turn the lights out on your entire um, income source because they don't like the thing you said, or they throw you in jail, or they, they remove your ability to speak publicly to basically a network that you built up over years. I mean, we see that happen day after day on X and it's, it's horrifying. Um, it's just not a viable communications platform into the future. It's just the incentives are all wrong, um, totally captured, you know? 
Yeah, I think people are realizing that too. And they're like very bullish on like Elon and that, but the algorithm has changed like completely. And I think it just prioritizes like shit, you know, content, like sensational stuff. Violence. Now. I mean, obviously if you're, you're, yeah, it's, it's not good. And I'm curious how, how does, you know, in, in the, in the Noster world, like how will that be determined? Like what gets pro like right now, it's obviously like I go on there, I see a lot of posts from you, a lot of posts from like Ben Justman, you know, the, the people who are posting often is, is what you see. Um, mm -hmm. But this is, again, this is just like one example. So I guess mm -hmm. that could be influenced. And that's kind of what you're saying by early adopters of, of this technology or, the way I understand it from Ben Ark is that you could just create like your own channel or own relay of just like who you want to see. Right. So exactly. maybe we talk about how relays work and, and doing that. Cause you can basically, from my understanding, customize your own experience and have many different, you could have like five quote unquote Twitters of just different people and different subjects of one for family, one, you know, Noster for family, Noster for friends, Noster for Bitcoin stuff. And yeah, is that, is that yeah. how relays work? And maybe you could explain that way better than I just did. Um, I would say that, you know, issues of moderation or people who are kind of worried, you know, that freedom of speech is a little too freeing. Um, moderation is, is um, you know, there's an answer for that in Noster and it's at the relay level, but it's also at the client level. Um, and these are both things that individuals can take into their own hands. And, in terms of algorithms, you know, it's going to be a marketplace like anything else. You're going to have a competition of different algorithms, but at the end of the day, you get to choose what you want to do. I mean, we saw this recently uh, with some censorship happening from Primal. I don't think it was in bad faith. I think they were trying to kind of do their best to curate kind of exciting and also... Um, kill scammers from getting on sort of a trending list that's like a sidebar you know highlights of the day what's happening the problem was it was the same accounts over and over because it was it was based on purely you know zaps and a couple other metrics that people who were very early or already very famous you know snowden jack dorsey matt odell it, it was just endless reposts of these people's stuff nobody else could get a, a fair shake there or it was people who were zapping themselves to get on there and kind of hacking the system that way. So it's kind of an interesting problem. And it is self-correcting to a large extent because the Nostra users called, users called it out and said, hey, what the fuck? Why am I on your no trending list? Because it was open source. And uh, yeah, you know, they got to choose. You know, there was a bit of a campaign to like, I'm not using this client until you fix it. And the client said, okay, well, I guess we better fix it. And people, you know, in a couple of days, used other platforms and... In the end, all was well. Um, it's just the importance of choice. If if <laughs> Twitter's the only kind of source for microblogging and by and large communication that people are referring to, I mean, that algorithm sucks. Nobody knows how it works. Even by open sourcing it, you can see there's just like tremendous censorship. It it feeds me. I don't know about you, but I get like violence all day on the thing. And it's just a miserable experience to scroll through. It's like horrific. It's got you worried sick about all the problems in the world that you have absolutely no control over. Um, on Noster, I can tailor my experience so that that doesn't happen. I can choose the relays. They're going to show me the light and good in the world. 
Um, I can choose the clients that are going to keep um, sort of like violence and child porn and like bullshit. They're going to moderate all that out the window for me and relays too. It's very important to, to curate your relays well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question, but those those solutions are there, and it's and it's all open and permissionless. And at the end of the day, if there's not a solution that you jive with, there you can go create it yourself, um, with no yeah. permission. No, I I've, yeah, I think that's the coolest part about it um, is that you can kind of yeah, one hundred percent uniquely customize or curate your experience on there. But I guess getting into how you do that, like how do you utilize relays currently in, you know, the state that they're in? And if someone, you know, just installs Damus and, and makes an account, like like how do they start playing around with with relays and, and hmm. customizing their experience a little bit? What would you recommend as, as a starting place? I would recommend sort of building up your web of trust and looking to people who have a history of um you know, high reputation and trying on what they do and see if it works for you. And if you don't like the content you're being served, you can disconnect uh, from those relays. Um, or you can go, maybe you don't choose to write to those relays. Maybe you only want to read. Uh, maybe you don't want to read from those relays. Maybe you only want to write. There's a lot of uh, interesting ways to do things. And there's a lot of competitions and many use, Noster users, myself included, run their own relays. Um, I'm not too... The community is so small right now that I'm not really too concerned about what I'm seeing there. There's like a couple of bots yeah. that you don't want, you know, mute them. You can't actually block, which is interesting because it's a, it's a bit of a misnomer. It is a free and open source protocol. So everyone has the right to sort of send their communication out into the ether, but whether or not I choose to implement relays that are going to read that content, that's on me, the user. So it may sound overwhelming at first, but it's really not. A lot of these clients come with uh, a set of like, quote unquote, trusted relays pre-installed and you can customize from there and let go of the ones you don't care for and use the ones you do for free or pay. You, may, you know, you know, you give up some sats through micro payments to uh, for the service that you're receiving of moderation. That's another it's a beautiful thing. You know, another another great kind of harmonious relationship between Bitcoin and Noster and for relays yeah i think it is definitely like small enough right now to where it doesn't matter but again you could like create something kind of early or you could you know be a part of something kind of early that'd be fun so i've already thought of some ideas and in, in that to try and you know maybe put together something curated from like a health relays perspective decentralized yeah. health um like where you just yeah that's all you see and then you can kind of have that you know, you could create, you could create or, your own. Yeah. You could create your own community around it. The example I like to yep. use you're you're a sneakerhead. You can make an entirely sneakerhead related community that is only feeding like drops of various, uh, you know, retailers. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's kind of amazing. We haven't even really tapped into the potential of the middleware or the, um, kind of B2B and like white label client possibilities of Noster yet. I think you're going to see a handful of raises over the next 12 months by, by young entrepreneurs trying to capitalize on those potential markets because uh, there's some really interesting possibilities. 
Yeah. So I'm curious, where do you see Noster kind of like, yeah, really being successful, like in this live streaming podcast platform space, um, kind of social media killer, um, could be literally anything, you know, e-commerce, uh, yeah, what where where do you see kind of the biggest successes happening in in the short to medium term for this? I think the three that you just mentioned are it. I think um, live streaming and an uncensorable platform is beautiful. I mean the uh, yeah yeah. I think the intentions of Rumble are very kind of noble and seem right, but it's a horrible platform. I mean it's like the worst fucking live stream system ever. <laughs> it's like the clunkiest just like most annoying thing ever to go live on every day yeah my my buddy is we just started like a, a wyoming based youtube or i should say he wants us to be like rumblers and i'm just not convinced that like rumble is is it so i'm gonna tell him we need to we need to start utilizing nostr more you use nostr i mean the community won't Sorry. be there use both use both uh use both yeah the, yeah exactly the, yeah, it's it's not hard to stream to multiple locations. I mean, just like make them compete for your attention. But Rumble is nice uh, in the fact that it's early, but it's it's captured. At the end of the day, they do have to make censorship decisions, and they have an algorithm that you don't have insight into. And you might be having great content, but you know you're not on that editor's page. You're not on that homepage. You're going live every day for like three people. <laughs> you know, whereas on Nostra, dozens of people yep. show up. You know, it's it's great. You know. Um, and I think, I think, uh, to mention the other two, I'm most bullish on marketplaces, which we haven't seen yet, but, um, will be instantiated with the next year. I mean, real decentralized marketplaces, basically like big fuck you to the NSA Silk Road style marketplaces that can't be shut down. It's going to be cool. It's going to be very cool on Noster. Do you think that'll... Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was just thinking of like a Facebook marketplace that would be, you know, selling whatever. But yeah, I guess there really could be endless opportunities there in terms of, yeah, what, what you can do, what you can sell. And yeah, that's pretty crazy to actually think about. I wasn't, yeah, I guess you experimented a little bit with Silk Road. Is is there any cause for, for concern at all in that? But I guess it's, you know, it's, it's personal responsibility at the end of the day, right? So to yeah. me, it's... An open marketplace is an open marketplace. Like, fuck around, find out. Yeah, you can you can interface with it um, pseudonymously, so that's nice. I think it remains to be seen. Obviously, there's going to be problems, and eventually, there are going to be state level attacks on this protocol. That's that's for sure. I mean, if it's something that becomes difficult to surveil, or difficult to, because that's the goal of the state is like complete human yep. capture and like. You know, you have no bodily autonomy anymore. And so we need to at least have a way to communicate if we're going to resist in any meaningful way. And, you know, it's Nostrat came, you know, not a minute too soon. It's it's very timely. Yeah, that's kind of like the last section I wanted to get on is like what happens here if you know everyone starts using Noster like yeah it's going to upset a lot of the you know centralized corporations government entities and yeah it could uh, get ugly I mean yeah if everyone starts using Noster obviously from an economical perspective ad revenue and, and all this other bullshit that that drives like social media forward and just e-commerce in general is not going to exist so it's uh, probably a big 
hurt for, you know, fiat, the fiat world. And I'm sure there's going to be, yeah, some censorship eventually, but I'm curious. Yeah. What, what do you think that looks like? And do you think that plays out like in the next year or two, or you think we're still like five years from that, those sort of things I happening? Think, I think we're probably closer to five. I think the, you know, the, the, the government always has a way of, um, keeping its hands full and sort of, you know, if this is considered an attack on the fiat network, it's we're, we're always outpacing their ability to come up with remedies to this stuff. So I think it'll be good, man. I think there's just going to be troubling things that test the robustness of it. And, you know, the thing that keeps me up at night that worries me most is um, people developing on this stuff and uh, getting jailed for it. Um, that's, that's my fear. I mean, we've got some real superstars in the community now and, you know, I would hate to see them unable to participate and continue to contribute to the network or other people being scared to, I mean, we saw what happened. I'm no ETH fan, but, um, to the ETH mixers in the Netherlands, um, the developers getting jailed for that. That's the, that's the kind of thing that can really take the wind out of your sails. So hoping we pace quietly along, I think, I think the thing's growing at exactly the right pace and that although the incentives for someone with a huge audience might not be there yet, it's going to matter in the future, man, when they, when they demonetize you and they censor you because you hold a different view than whatever prevailing parties in power. So it's good to get some skin in the game now and learn how this stuff works so that you can contribute to its future. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of the near term milestones more is, is the censorship. And we're seeing that like from YouTube, like the other day, kind of coming out and saying that anything that goes against like the WHO in terms of like health recommendations or stuff will be mm -hmm. censored. And I'm like, all right, like Ryan, who I do this show with is <laughs> I'm like, we need to get our stuff on on Rumble or I guess no, sir, because yeah, I mean, this is just like a big problem and we put a lot of work into this and it's a lot of free education. So yeah, yeah. that's going to be a priority for me going forward. But I think that that's going to be the near term and it's, it's going to exist. And yeah, like Twitter and X, you brought up a lot of examples and yeah, it's scary um, because yeah, you could uh, totally be relying on that for for income at this point. But I think if you aren't already like worried about that, you're kind of naive at this point. People have been, you know, since COVID started, right? Like people have been mm -hmm. getting strikes left and right. And mm -hmm. to me, it's like, yeah, but they don't know about, about Noster at all. So how do we, how do we spread the word more? You know, what, what do we need to do to get people on board? Obviously podcasts and stuff like this is, is helpful. And that's why I want to talk to you. Um, but yeah, what's, uh, why do you think people are so apprehensive to, to jumping for me? I'll tell you just, I was, I was like, I don't know if I want to just put my energy into another social media platform or something like that. Right. And then, right. you know, the UI was a bit, UI UX is a bit not great, but then I kind of came back, you know, last month and I was like, oh, it's very improved and I learned more about it. And then obviously I'm into all these things. And now that I'm producing way more content, like in January, I wasn't producing, I didn't have a podcast and I wasn't producing mm -hmm. all this content mm -hmm. and I learned about it. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fully committed to this being extremely important. So I guess, yeah. Why do you think people are so apprehensive and, and how do we get more people on board? 
just like this, talking about it and uh, leading by example. Yeah. I, th I think it's like Bitcoin where a lot of us in the Western world are so comfortable relatively that we don't understand the problems these technologies solve. And we're so used to writing off the trade-off of convenience, um, like all of our personal information for convenience of access to these things. You know, we just make this trade-off unconsciously day after day. So it's about kind of snapping people out of it. It's about really pushing Bitcoiners. Like, why, why are you here if not for this sort of thing? I mean, it never, it never made sense to me when you have someone who, who's there, uh, shows up for Bitcoin day and night, but hasn't even tried uh, something like Noster yet. It's, uh, that becomes very clear that their intentions are fiat and they're not here for, they're not here to become ungovernable or to, um, you know, promote decentralized communication, freedom of speech, um, sort of the more human rightsy side of the equation. So I think it's about, I think it's about pushing people to get out of their comfort zone a little bit and try something new. And, but the best thing we can do is keep developing, um, keep holding conferences and events for people to show up and learn in person, uh, keep promoting it virtually and doing our thing, man. I think, I think like Bitcoin, it's, it's developing and advancing at a, exactly the right pace. You know, we'll get there when we get there. And I think we're going to look back one day and in retrospect, this will be ubiquitous technology that, that everyone will kind of kick themselves for not having adopted earlier. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest reason so many people, at least creators, right, it's just you're putting all this effort and you, you know, maybe you're making an income off of your following your you know, health coach or whatever, you have a YouTube channel, it's hard to step away from such a large audience. But if you're like a small creator or starting things up, like I am, I mean, we don't make a ton of money from any, anything I do really right now. So it's like the perfect opportunity to be early. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, align, you know, posting on like YouTube or Twitter, it's like half the time, the people who read that or Instagram is like the lowest IQ, I swear to God. It's, uh, you know, that's not your audience. Is that is that the audience you, you want? Like, yeah. you know, and that may be why you're not getting great engagement is because the people who are reading your stuff are just like normie brainwashed people that just don't get it. So yeah. here, if you're in this space, you have a like-minded audience already. And to me, that's, you know, what more could you ask for a, a niche, a small niche community that's willing to support you um, with zaps and, and the hardest form of money. So, yeah, I think exactly. the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, it just makes so much sense. So I'm going to try and, and push this forward a lot. Especially if you're a streamer or a social media person, it's not really that much extra work. It's very easy Yep. Way easier to set up a Nostra account than a than a, a Facebook or a Twitter account or something like that. Way easier, requires way less effort and way less of your personal information. There's nothing collected at all <laughs> on Damas uh, from you. So it's yeah, it's like why not both? Just try something new. If you're out there and you're kind of like a content creator, or even a power user of these platforms. You should always be looking for ways to iterate and improve and your ambition should always outpace your abilities. So, you know, just pick up that one extra point. Like how hard is it to add another stream key to your, whatever you're broadcasting from? And now boom, you're on Noster, you're live. It's, it's very simple, you know? 
Yeah, no, totally. And that's, yeah, we're going to do that. So, hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> well, McShane, yeah, let's go. I think this was, this was awesome. Yeah, this is like kind of what I've been itching for. And yeah, I'm definitely going to have some some more Noster experts, I guess you could call them, or enthusiasts, the whole lot uh, on here. Um, yeah, where can people, I guess we'll have to link your, your pub key um, <laughs> yeah. for Noster and... Uh, yeah, well, I guess where can where can people find more about what you're doing or, or what's upcoming? So you got Bitcoin Amsterdam and then you got Nostra Asia, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, back to back. So we'll be, I'll be in Amsterdam October 9th through the 14th. Um, the conference is the uh, 12th and 13th. Um, it's going to be fun, man. If you're, if you're in Europe, make your way down there. We're going to do tons of Nostra content, you know, obviously endless Bitcoin content covering all the big cultural conversations of the day and... Um, you know, really pressing people to think about what we want the future of these protocols to look like. Um, after that, we'll be in uh, Tokyo and Hong Kong. And you can also just join us virtually if you don't want to make the hike out to Asia. Um, that is the Noster Conference Series. Um, it's put on by Jack Dorsey. Um, myself and a, a couple other organizers are, are putting it together. It's, we've got over 1,000 people, probably 1,100 by today. Um, signed up for that. So that's huge. I mean, it's going to be a blowout event. Uh, it's our second event. The first one was in Costa Rica and it was, um, you know, a lot from people's testimonials. It was like the best conference they ever went to. It was just like great networking, you know, super, a lot of fun. We were on a hippie commune in the middle of the jungle, a lot of great health and fitness, uh, and kind of well-being stuff associated with that as well. And, you know, in Japan and Hong Kong, it's going to be different, but I think it'll be um, an experience you won't forget and you'll walk away from it with, you know, a lot of new friends. And just like Nostrica and just like the Bitcoin conference, there's going to be a lot of businesses and new ways to interact with the protocol that come out of this kind of meeting of the mind. So very, very excited for both. That's November 1st through 3rd for Nostrasia. Is there more upcoming after that or is it kind of TBD yes. still? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, okay. we'll keep it going, man. We'll keep it going. You know, I can't say where yet, but um, we like to okay, go where we... I was we... just curious. It just seems yeah. like, yeah. I don't know when this was announced, but yeah, those are very soon. So, you know, if people are looking forward to like 2024, but... Oh, yeah, we'll have yeah. To wait. You know, We've got, well, we've got the B24 conference in Nashville, our homecoming event. It's going to be yep. our biggest conference ever. That'll be fun. Um, and we'll announce the location of the next uh, Noster conference probably shortly after this one. So we're going to come together in person and figure out where we want to go. And anyone's welcome to provide their feedback. So we want to go where adoption needs us most, basically. That makes sense. And if people wanted to get involved in Noster organizing or like helping out developers, I know what's the best way for people to get more involved in moving this protocol forward? Uh, Hit me up. I can point you in the right direction. Uh, If I don't know the answer, I'll find someone who does. And uh, yeah, we'll get you going. There's lots to do. Fantastic. (laughs) Love it. Well, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I think we'll have to do more Noster-specific episodes in the future. Anyone who's listening, if you have any questions, feel free to let us know. But I think uh, you all should try it out. You know, Download Damus, download any other clients, and give it a whirl. There's no downside, as you heard here. And this could be one of the most important 
technologies, protocols going forward in the fight for decentralization. So thanks again, McShane. And yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone, to another episode of Decentralized Radio. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Tristan. Appreciate it, man. 